You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, November 1st. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with information on paranormal activity at CSU. Then Portia covers local news with information on what to do with your extra Halloween candy. After that, Portia reports on music, entertainment, and events news with information on the death of a beloved K-pop star. Then you'll hear an interview with you and Pert and Eliza Drotar as they discuss CSU's football during their sports podcast. Then McKinley goes over environmental news with updates on the potential extinction of a woodpecker species. After that, I go over national news with updates on two Americans who died in Seoul, Korea this weekend. Then stay tuned as you and Pert goes over updates in CSU sports. And to conclude today's show, I take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. The following Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast was pre-recorded on Monday, October 31st. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Tuesday, November 1st. The Colorado State University campus has embraced the Halloween season in more ways than one. Some even say that the campus's festive feel goes beyond the fall colors in old buildings, but that the campus may even be haunted. Students in the dorms have claimed to have some paranormal experiences, along with students who have classes in older buildings, such as Clark. The campus may have some reasons for these incidents. In 1970, the old main building near the Oval burned down one night. The cause of this burning is still unknown. It could have been because of something more natural or even because of arson from student activists. In addition to this, staff members and students who have been in Johnson Hall, which is a building located near the Oval, have had some paranormal experiences as well. Some have said they've heard singing in the hall, while others have said they've even felt like they've been hit in the stomach when reaching into a storage closet. These stories come from CSU Source News. I know personally, I've had some weird experiences on the CSU campus, and if you ask anyone around here, I'm sure they'll have a story for you. In other campus news, last Friday, Colorado Senate candidates Michael Bennett and Joe O'Day had their only televised debate on the CSU campus. Both candidates expressed their opinions on various topics. Bennett, who is the Democratic candidate, has been in office for two terms already, and if he were to win a third term, he would be the first senator in Colorado to serve more than two terms in office. O'Day, the Republican candidate, has never served in any form of public office, but he has a construction company in Denver that employs about 300 people. While the two do agree on some topics, they have quite opposing views on prevalent topics such as abortion, gun laws, economic issues, and more. Midterm voting in Colorado is open now and ends on November 8th. Thank you for listening to My Campus News Updates. Stay tuned for Portia Cook's local news updates. I'm Portia Cook reporting your local news for Tuesday, November 1st. With Halloween just behind us, you may be wondering what to do with your extra Halloween candy. Well, one organization is helping you get rid of those extra sweet treats, all while helping our troops. Soldiers, Angels, Treats for Troops is a Halloween candy collection program where local businesses accept excess candy in exchange for goodies. Once collected, businesses ship the candy to Soldiers Angels, which will then send the collected candy to deployed service members and veterans. If you want to donate your extra Halloween candy, you can do so at Dawson Chiropractic, located at 670 East 29th Street in Loveland. 
Dawson's Chiropractic is open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Donation days are from October 31st through November 10th. According to the charity website, individually wrapped candy, including chocolate, is preferred. However, they will accept unopened small bags of loose candy like candy corn and jelly beans. The program will not accept homemade or handmade candy or baked goods of any kind. According to the charity website, collection sites are meant for individual candy donors, not schools, groups, or organizations. Groups with more than 10 pounds of candy must register as a candy collection site. Registration for this can be found on the charity website at soldiersangels.org slash volunteer slash special campaigns. For more information on the Treats for Troops program, you can call 210-629-0020 or view more information online at soldiersangels.org slash volunteer slash special campaigns. In other local news, Fort Collins Rescue Mission is taking steps towards building a new and larger shelter to accommodate those experiencing homelessness. The current 106-bed rescue mission located at 316 Jefferson Street in downtown Fort Collins submitted a preliminary design application for a 200-bed shelter located at the intersection of North College and Hibbon Court. A city review of the application will take place tomorrow, November 2nd. In addition to the current shelter, the rescue mission will offer a 44-bed temporary overnight winter shelter off Mason Street, which will begin taking men experiencing homelessness starting on November 11th. According to the Colorado and the rescue mission on Jefferson Street has had to turn away men due to colder weather and the shelter being at max capacity. On November 24th, the shelter had to turn away six men looking for an overnight bed for these very reasons. Rescue Mission Senior Director Seth Forwood told the Coloradoan, quote, It's sufficient to say that if we were only to operate the Jefferson Shelter, we would be turning away a significant amount of people every night. Forwood went on to say that, quote, As our leaves change and the air gets colder and we're looking towards winter, I hope to remind the community that the band-aids we put on with a seasonal overflow shelter can only work for a limited amount of time. The long-term solution we're hoping to gather community buy-in around is a 24-7 shelter that adequately meets the needs of people who are our neighbors who are unhoused, end quote. Catholic Charities, which is located at 460 Linden Center Drive, provides 24-7 shelter for women and families. Additional information on homelessness in Fort Collins can be found at fcgov.com slash social sustainability slash homelessness. In other news, the City of Fort Collins won an Economic Development Award for Community of the Year. According to a City of Fort Collins press release, Fort Collins has received a 2022 EDIE Award for the Economic Development Council of Colorado for Large Community of the Year. The EDIE is the most recognized award in economic development in Colorado and acknowledges outstanding achievements by its members, organizations, communities, companies, individuals, and legislators for their contributions to economic development in the state. Sonoa Kendall, the CPA and City of Fort Collins Economic Health Director, said, quote, We are honored to receive this award and be recognized alongside other incredible communities who are keeping Colorado's economy moving forward. Thank you to our local and regional partners for the leadership, engagement, and support that helps sustain a thriving Fort Collins business community, end quote. The EDIE award reflects the extensive work the city's economic health office has conducted to support local businesses in the workforce, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. The office has been a leader in the regional Northern Colorado Economic Development Initiative, bringing together businesses, leaders, and strategic partners to identify best practices. 
More information about the Economic Health Office can be found at fcgov.com business. That's all for your local news. I'll be right back with your music events and entertainment news after the break. The annual City of Fort Collins Hazardous Household Waste Collection Day is Saturday, September 10th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the City of Fort Collins Street Facility near East Vine Drive. You can take this opportunity to dispose of any substances that contain ingredients that could negatively affect your health or safety. For more information about the Saturday, September 10th Hazardous Household Waste Collection Day, you can visit fcgov.com hhw. KCSU thanks the City of Fort Collins for their underwriting support. environmental news, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service said last September that they aimed to take the ivory bullet woodpecker off the endangered species list and put it on the extinction list. Despite their beliefs, researchers and others believe that there could still be a few of these birds left and are searching for their existence. Information comes from CNN. Another species at risk for extinction is the Antarctic emperor penguin. They are at risk of extinction due to climate change. These birds are now receiving new protections under the Endangered Species Act due to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, adding them to the impaired species as endangered or threatened regardless of their country's origin list. Information comes from CNN. In other environmental news, solar and wind energy saved Texans more than $7 billion in the first eight months of 2022. Per month, Texans have been saving about $925. In addition to these price cuts, this switch to more renewable energy is also beneficial to the environment as well. Information from this story comes from Now This Earth News. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates now on to national news. Welcome to the KCSU Sports Podcast. My name is Eliza Drotar. And I'm Ewan Pert. We are the sports directors here at KCSU. We talk club, college, and professional sports here at CSU. Hi there, I'm Ewan Pert. Welcome to the KCSU Sports Podcast. This year, the football team has been the talk of the town for all the wrong reasons. The Rams find themselves 1-5 overall and 1-1 in the Mountain West at this point in the season. That's good for fifth place in the West half of the Mountain West and third worst in the entire conference. 
The team hasn't won a single game at home, hasn't scored over 19 points even once this season. The defense was a mess to begin the season. The offense continues to be a mess with three different quarterbacks getting starts and only scoring one offensive touchdown in the last two games. It feels like special teams misses a field goal every other game. And word around campus is that head coach Jay Norvell may not have what it takes. Honestly, it has been an impressively bad season for the Rams. Fans have reacted from burn the team down and make sure Norvell never gets another coaching job ever again or waiting it out until the defense continues to turn it around and they can make a play for the Mountain West championships yet. There's all kinds of opinions around the team this year, but they go wild on both sides. We've got a guest here, Caleb Allen, to discuss the team so far this season with me. Can you say hi, Caleb? Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the sports podcast. Uh, we're just going to dive right into it. So Coach Norvell's play calling this season. How have you felt about it? I know it's been a hot topic so far. Well, can I just start and can I disagree with you? Is that allowed? Yes, of can course. I, do that? I think you and many other people are very abrasive to what is going on here. This was a, what, a three win team a year ago yeah. and everyone's coming to the season with this excitement that we were somehow going to go 12-0, and win the Mountain West and be playing Alabama for the national championship. Shocker, not happening, right? right. You won a game in Nevada that your, two, your only two touchdowns were defensive and then you've not won a game elsewhere, right? Right. So is it bad? Yeah. But I don't think it's as bad as you say. Now, with the, the play calling and things like that, I think it's getting better. Mm-hmm. You're also looking at a, a group of guys who are taking the field that either only played one year with Norvell at Nevada or or CSU guys last year. Right. So you got to take all that into account when you're looking at the offense. And they've ultimately improved every single week. True. It's not like it's getting worse or it's not like they're not making any progress, uh, unlike that team in Denver that's uh, playing football right now, too. <laughs> yeah, that team uh, down in Denver definitely not something that anyone's proud of, I don't think. No, I can say no one is proud of what's going <laughs> on down there. But there are some good things happening here in Fort Collins. But going back to Coach Norvell's play calling, I know I've been a bit hostile towards it. Let's, let's go with that. I know there's there was a game against Sacramento State a couple weeks ago here in Fort Collins that while I was there, I was vehemently like talking to my co-host of Rambler's radio show that we have here at KCSU telling her about how the play calling was just horrible and I could not I could not fathom the plays he was calling and I was like we're running it on second and 12 we're running a screen on third and nine and there was it was repeatedly that kind of thing but I feel like it has improved especially with Avery Morrow really playing well recently letting those run plays turn into more yardage than maybe two at best like those first few games how do you feel like it's gone so far with Moreau yeah I mean Moreau has been fantastic he stepped into I mean yeah. you had Ajon Vivens who gets hurt and then mm-hmm. you got to step up in the Nevada game and he starts running wild. A couple of fumbles. You're seeing that youth and the lack of experience. He mm-hmm. fumbles quite often or you know, yeah. doesn't practice ball carrying. But I mean, that run he had against Utah State last weekend yeah. was impressive and one of the better plays offensively. I think probably the biggest play offensively for the Rams this season. So yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely a bright spot. I actually was in a production meeting with him a few weeks ago and he was talking about why he came to CSU with Norvell. I mean, there was plenty of players that came mm-hmm. with Norvell from Nevada and he said this was the only offer. Nevada was the only team that offered me out of high school and there was no way I was not going to go with Norvell because that's the guy that bet on me when no one else would. So that's a guy who is going to be a CSU Ram. You see all these guys bouncing around transfer portal, all that. That guy's not leaving and that's a good bright spot for CSU's offense. Yeah, especially with him scoring the only touchdown for the Rams last week against Utah State and then running for over 120 yards in both of the last two games. Morrow's really been an impressive player these last few weeks and really has broken out since conference play has 
started. Going back to Coach Norvell, the defense really has ticked up these last couple of weeks as well. Do you think that's because of his play calling or and trust in the defense, or do you think out the same way as Morrow? I mean, guys are still playing better football every week, but mm-hmm. you also look at your competition. Week one was Michigan. Yeah. That's a, a top four team, a team right. that's supposed to compete for national championship. So 51 points is not crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're playing Middle Tennessee, who everyone slept on. I said it all week. Don't be surprised if the Rams lose this game because that's a right. team that is right there in terms of FBS and FCS and divisions and things like that. Washington State, obviously a good Pac-12 team. Mm-hmm. Sac State, another one of those FCS teams that are right there on the brink of it. And Nevada, it's, you're starting to play these right. Mountain West teams that aren't good. And we knew the Mountain <laughs> West was not a good division, not, uh, not a good conference rather, ahead of the season. And now you're just watching this just battle of the mids, I guess, <laughs> um, in the in the Mountain West. And some of it is definitely improvement from your mm-hmm. defense. And they look really well. And I mean, they looked good. I think facing three quarterbacks on yeah. Saturday, they, they didn't allow 150 yards. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, really that's pretty solid. I also noticed with the defense these last couple of weeks, they've kept the game in range for the offense the whole time. They haven't they haven't let it get away from them. And they've they've let the let the offense have chances to bring them back into the game, especially at the end of the game last week against Utah State. There was like a sack followed up by multiple negative yardage runs right at that last drive for the Aggies before the Rams got the ball back and through that interception. The offense really squandered that chance. But I feel like at the end of that game, the defense really didn't want to lose. And they 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 let themselves really do what they were they were trying to do that whole time. I mean, that's all you can ask for your defense is keep us in the game when our offense isn't doing their job right. I mean, the Rams had a 3-0 lead in this game. They allowed 17 to 10 run there to finish it. And that was mm-hmm. because of an interception there on that first right. drive for Utah State. They ran it down. Offense did nothing with it. And then they kick a field goal and take their first and only lead of the game. So, I mean, the defense has been the bright mm-hmm. spot for the overall team. Right. But I think when you're this early in a rebuild, which is essentially is a rebuild here at yeah, CSU, sure. I think you have to look at the bright spots and player performance. So you're looking at guys, as we talked on, Moreau mm-hmm. and Jack Howell at the back end. He's yeah. an all-conference honors uh, that just got announced here recently. So, I mean, you got to look at the bright spots on your team individually, sure. unfortunately, when you're doing these rebuilds. And mm-hmm. we've, the CSU's got a lot and they've got a lot of talent coming in too. Yeah, I, for sure. And I think that that some of the talent that, like Jack, the one you just mentioned, he he got an interception in the Middle Tennessee game and against San Diego or San... Yeah, and he was all over Sacramento. the Sacramento. Yeah, he had, and he did that with a bum knee and a bum ankle too yeah. and a bum shoulder. So that's just one of those gamers. And he made his way into the rotation because of his practice and how well he practiced because everyone wondered week one versus Michigan, why is this guy not playing? He played so well last year. And then their safeties go down. Taiwan Francis needs someone to go next to him and they throw in Jack Howell and he almost makes that interception week one. Them and believing in their coach even when the campus might not. Yeah, it's making a whole new, it's a, a new environment, a new, I guess, swagger with the team and that's, mm-hmm. the, yeah, you got to come to work every single day. You got to take your lunch pail and your, your hard hat and get to work on things. You can't just show up and be a diva. And that's a problem that the Rams have had recently. You know, guys are more worried about what they're posting on their socials. I mean, at halftime, they're posting <laughs> stuff on Twitter and Instagram. And instead of, you know, focusing on what they have to do, mm-hmm. they're more worried about how many likes they're getting and things like that. So it's a, it's a whole new attitude at CSU football. And that's what people are kind of forgetting that needs to happen. You're seeing all these players transfer, these guys who have been stalwart, you know, three or four year starters, and they're taken off for the transfer portal because it's a change. It's what, it's what happens and rebuilds. And unfortunately, CSU has seen it enough, but I don't know how fans aren't seeing that as, I guess, I mean, they've seen a rebuild numerous times right. and somehow they have not seen that this is just kind of how this goes. And you've got to trust Norvell and his work mm-hmm. in the past with building Nevada up the way he did. So I'm, I'm still pro CSU in terms of the future of this program. 
yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a believer in, in what Norvell's doing and, and changing the culture around here because, as you said, there was dissonance between the team and what they wanted to do and then what went on on the field. So it's very nice to see that coming from Coach Norvell. And then we're going to move on to talking about the offense and how it's, how it's performed this season. I know we've had a lot of issues with quarterbacks this season, having started three already so far, having Clay Millen go down against the Sacramento State team and then back up. Oh, I forgot his name. I'll have to pull that up. But they, we had that back up play the rest of that game and then started the game against Nevada. And then last week against Utah State, they started a new quarterback, Giles Pooler, I believe. And he played well enough, but you could tell he was he was fresh to being a starter and fresh to coming out there and being expected to win a game for a college level team. Well, not even hard. It's your first start mm-hmm. at home in front of the fourth largest crowd in Canvas Stadium history. And not to mention you're playing with an offensive line that doesn't know how to block. I think toddlers at this point, that's the biggest issue. This, right. this team can't run the ball. They can't pass pro. So when you fall mm-hmm. back in a game, you know, the defenders get to just, you know, pull their ears back and then just take off. And, right. and then it makes it harder for you as a quarterback, any quarterback. I mean, Tom Brady mm-hmm. deals with these things. Yeah. And now you're asking your first year and your freshman quarterbacks to go out and do what Hall of Famers can't do in the NFL. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's really, a, we can point to the quarterbacks and how bad right. they've been. And yeah, they've missed throws and whatnot, but it's hard to play behind a line that you can't trust. And that's the number one. That's definitely something I've noticed as well, especially with the sacks really being an issue. They've lost like 40 yards on sacks in multiple games this season. And it's just something they have not been able to recover from and not something that they've been able to play through, even with the defense playing as well as it has that 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 offensive line, letting sacks go through and letting so much pressure get to the quarterback. It sucks for these quarterbacks who are all freshmen, I believe, who are all just trying to make their make their claim on the team just enough to get enough playing time. And then they're being thrown into the meat grinder it feels like no it, it's definitely a problem sacks and drives it can a sack can happen on first down and the drives over doesn't matter right. if you have two more downs i mean coach norvell talks about all the time those are drive ending and those are game changing mm-hmm. just single plays and they just don't have an answer for it they've tried to throw the tight end in there chip and help on the pass rush but it's just it's not working it's just once again i think it's you got to take your lumps at this point and then you just got to hope that you can build that experience and get these guys developed because there is a future in this program with the talent that is here and that is coming in and it's ultimately just about developing these guys through experience and playing time. Yeah, and then another problem with the with the offensive line this season, there's been a lot of penalties and a lot of holding calls on this offensive line that have killed drives. There was one play last week that was a pretty solid like 20-yard chunk on a pass to Torrey Horton that was called back because it was a hold on one of the offensive line and that was really a killer and really even killed that drive on the 10. Well, I mean, it's net yardage. You look at like how, how many yards would they gain and how mm-hmm. many did they just lose? It, it can be drastic, especially in yeah. cases like that Torrey Horton play you talked about. I mean, they haven't had a single game, I don't think this season the Rams haven't, where they've had the same starting five offensive linemen once. They've not That's had that same group between injuries and having to play guys because other guys aren't doing well enough and just they're plugging and playing. And yeah. I've, I've played offensive line in high school mm-hmm. and a little after and I you can't communicate with guys you've never right. played or even really practiced with and mm-hmm. they're just kind of plugging and playing all these guys and you're trying to build this chemistry while you've got Division One athletes rushing right. at you with you know power moves and finesse <laughs> moves and it's a problem. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why CSU is not playing good football on the O-line is definitely a big part of that. For sure. Is there, do you think there's any way that this can be remedied this season or is it just something we have to stick out for the rest of the year? It's part of the rebuild. It, okay. When you fired Adazio and quite honestly, when you hired Adazio, no one expected that to be the final answer. And I, I guess a little bit of promise there in 2020 mm-hmm. with, I think you played six games and you had three wins or whatever. Right. I think you were two and four in a COVID 
year. And then you come out the next year and people expected a step forward. You didn't get that step forward. So when you fire a coach, you got to restart and you constantly letting go. I think we've had three coaches in five seasons. So you you just got to take your lumps and that's part of it. And do you think there's any way that a running quarterback would be any help with that kind of thing? Something, something different to go with in the play calling instead of just a screenplay or a run play on almost every other down. I'm over the screens. Those are extended (laughs) runs. They call them. They call, you know, the quick screens, extended runs. It's it's, it's pretty much a handoff, just 20 yards away. And I just, I'm not a fan of those, especially when you don't run the ball very Mm -hmm. well. You don't, you know, guys don't have to honor the space and you don't throw the ball well because you can't block. Um, It's all just, it's all intertwined. I don't think an athletic quarterback would really help this Mm -hmm. offense. This offense, it's the reason you saw Todd Santeo leave this last Mm -hmm. off season. They, they like the big guy, the strong pocket passer with the big Mm -hmm. arm. That's, I mean, that's why Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, that's the name you were looking for a little early. He couldn't, he's, he's not really number one here. If you looked Mm -hmm. at his Adazio type offense, he's running around, he would take off. They're trying to keep him in the pocket. That just doesn't, that's not his style. So you got to look at the offense itself. A running quarterback is not the the solution to helping this offense get more dynamic. It's going to be running the football and freeing up the passing lanes for your big receivers like Torrey Horton, who should be an NFL talent. Torrey Horton, we were going to get to him. Torrey Horton is really, especially with his game against Middle Tennessee with those three touchdowns. I was sitting there in the press box, like looking around at everyone being like, is is this normal? Do we see this all the time? Yeah, you know, I think <laughs> this is wide receiver you by all I know. I mean, you yeah. got Michael Gallup, you got BC mm-hmm. Johnson, you have tight ends all over the place. I mean, this is Trey McBride. How did right. I forget that one, right? I mean, it's, it's where the receivers just somehow we always get that best receiver. It's a three-star receiver who never, mm-hmm. you know, didn't get those big D1 offers. So here he lands in Fort Collins and then that becomes a centerpiece of your offense. Right. And before you know it, he's in the league. So, I mean, do we expect it? I mean, I guess maybe we should at this point <laughs> at because this point. We, it seems every year we find a new one. And I mean, a bunch of guys in the league have rings that went to CSU. So, yeah. Uh, and it's something something impressive from Horton this season. He really creates a lot of separation on every play. You can see that you're, you're tracking him down the field. He's got like four yards of separation and you're just hoping the quarterback has just a little bit of room to just try and get that ball in the air. And he can make those contested catches. His first touchdown against Middle Tennessee, I remember, was like a Moss catch over oh, yeah. his defender. It was amazing. No, Torrey Horton is incredible. And the problem with him is CSU is starting to use him as a decoy because mm-hmm. you know teams are starting to bracket and double him. And because of that, it's supposed to be freeing up other guys, but other guys aren't there yet. They're not that division right. one. Like you, you need two guys, two mm-hmm. receivers in this offense in order to really throw the ball yeah. around the way they want to. And then ultimately, once again, you have to run the ball. So mm-hmm. Torrey Orton, the fact that he has done what he has done in this yep. offense and is able to get open still, I mean, that just speaks to his talent as you know a wide receiver. And could you remind me, what year is he? Is he a junior? I believe he's a junior. I think he has two more years of eligibility because of COVID. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know. I think he'll be back next year for sure, but I, I would doubt a year after that if he keeps yeah. playing the way he's playing now. If he keeps playing the way he's playing and then we go into next year with a hopefully better offensive line and a team that can really produce around Torrey Horton, you can really expect some numbers from him next year, especially since he's already playing so well this year. Well, and you're getting a lot of big body. I think this is the largest or the second largest recruiting, recruiting class coming in this next year in terms of caliber with stars and a lot of four-star receivers for CSU coming in. And those are guys that you can plug in and yeah. they can play next year as true freshmen. So be on the lookout for some of the freshman receivers that are maybe make Torrey Horton's job a little easier. They're going to break out early next season as well. That's really exciting to hear about the team next year. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that, that's um, where a lot of the excitement comes from. Just hoping for that second year from uh, Coach Norvell to really turn this thing around. Yeah. And then on the defense, do you think, what do you think has been really this game changer that's made the team look so much better other than other teams being not so good as like Michigan and Washington State? It's just, it takes time. And I mean, every yeah. every football team, no matter what level you're at, as the season goes on, you get better at tackling, you get more disciplined in your running lanes and you know you, what, what gaps to cover and things right. like that. It's just, it kind of comes 
problems with playing with each other, building that chemistry, things like that. I mean, I think the biggest part of it is you're playing teams with lesser offense. Right. Um, you haven't played anyone here in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boise State's always kind of been the top of the Mountain West, and even they don't look very good here this season. So yeah, I, it's ultimately it's because you're playing lesser talent and you're mm-hmm. also gelling better as a defense, and that allows you to play more freely and yeah. with more confidence. And I think one of the things that the Rams really need to focus on to make that next step on defense is getting more pressure on the quarterback and getting those sacks to come through because as much as pressure as they can get sometimes they really only got one sack last week and got a lot of some penalties on uh, getting over the line a little early there's a lot of those just quick plays that they couldn't make go their way so there's a lot of things but I think that defensive line is really where they need to focus for next year to make that defensive uh, defense really look scary yeah there's no middle push right now you're mm-hmm. seeing Mo Kamara and I forgetting who the other guy on the outside is I mean you're set at corner you got mm-hmm. great corners your linebacker play is great but I mean you're going to lose to Quan Jackson who's you know yeah. if you want to talk about stalwart that that's a stalwart mm-hmm. guy right there he's been around forever and and really the the life and the heart yeah. to this team and this defense you're going to lose a guy like that so just finding that the middle pressure mm-hmm. the Rams have done a pretty good job at stopping the run for you know, right. any team they've played but I mean quarterbacks can hold on to the ball forever yeah. if you don't get any push up the middle and Kamara is going to get doubled every time and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's definitely a good observation for sure yeah and it's something you saw last week against Utah State they would run the ball get about three yards and and the defense would look good and then they'd run a pass play and the quarterback would be in the pocket for so long and then break out of the pocket and they'd get one of those dumps right in the middle and be like so it was all, what was the point of those first 10 seconds of defense if we couldn't do anything and they just dump it down the middle and get a first down every other play yeah it's just about being you know keeping integrity in your mm-hmm. your rush lanes and keeping contained I mean that that's the most frustrating thing yeah. in the world is you can hold a team down you get them to third down it's mm-hmm. third and you know six third and seven that should be a down you get off the field right it looks you know three four five seconds into mm-hmm. the play and you're like oh well, we're gonna get there and they break the pocket and before you know it now it's you know everything all breaks loose and that's the, those are the, the right. backbreaking plays they don't end the game you know you don't mm-hmm. win the game on those plays but those those do help you and do push yeah. you towards a, a win or not yeah definitely definitely something the team will want to focus on in the future and then we've just got a couple more points here do you think this defense is ever gonna like win us a game like they did in Nevada or is this just the state of the team is the defense will be pretty good and make that make a push but it does rely on the offense to really get those points on the board to ask for two first quarter touchdowns from your defense is a lot yeah so do i expect that again no definitely not but i i think this defense for the rest of the year will keep you competitive will keep mm-hmm. you in games and if your offense can even just put together 20 25 points somewhere around there i think you're probably probably set but i mean they haven't put up more than right. 19 and those 19 <laughs> came in one quarter against middle yeah. tennessee so the toughest ask yep. is can you score 24 points yeah the toughest ask is just getting three touchdowns and hitting your extra points yeah, <laughs> yeah we haven't even done that yeah so that's definitely but do you think this team is worth any optimism from the fans for the rest of the season do you think they can pull some points out for for some fans that are excited to maybe watch their team win a couple more just depends on what your standards are like yeah if, if you go into a season thinking super bowl or bust or in this case mountain west championship or bust then mm-hmm. i mean you're not going to get what you want right. this year probably not next year either like once again it's a rebuild takes time mm-hmm. but if you want to actually watch football and you want to watch this program grow you're going to see that every week and i, I don't have any reason to believe that they won't continue growing like they have the few last few weeks so I, I definitely think there is some optimism there if you want to look at it that way mm-hmm. just depends on how you look at the program I don't think this is a bold team I don't think you're finding five more wins here in the final six games or seven games whatever's right. left here in the season so I, I don't think that that's on the agenda for the Rams either but if you're looking for any optimism anything to look at to be happy mm-hmm. about when you walk out of the stadium winner loses is this team getting better are are they improving and are the young guys who are going to be around for the next few years are they looking like they're going to be the guy at yeah. whatever position they're playing for sure i think there's definitely optimism around the team there 
there's Avery Morrow, there's Tori Horton, there's Jack on defense. There's a lot of players that are that we're willing to root for and really ready to see this team grow around. And I think quarterback Clay Millen actually showed some pretty good flashes before he went down. And I hope he can he can return to play soon, looking like he will play against Hawaii, Hawaii this, this week. Yeah, he should be there this week. I think there was, you know, they just kind of wanted to hold him out. There's no mm-hmm. reason to rush him back, get him hurt more. Right. I think this is the week he comes back. I'm excited to see that coming from him this week. And then that will that will wrap up our conversation. Thank you so much for coming in, Caleb. That's sweet. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. With a season gone awry so far, the Rams really have been a team to forget. It is not out of line, however, to have some hope for the rest of the season as the team has improved significantly since conference play has begun with the prospects of star back Avery Morrow continuing his stellar play and the defense continuing to prevent opposing teams from getting too far away on the scoreboard. The Rams are a team we cannot be dismissive of. There is talent on this roster. It is fully on Coach Norvell to start putting together some wins and start showing the rest of the Mountain West that CSU might not be the team that they want to mess with. I'm Ewan Pert. Thank you for listening to the KCSU Sports Podcast. For Eliza Drojar and Ewan Pert and the rest of the KCSU Sports team, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the KCSU Sports Podcast. For more sports content, go to kcsufm.com and head to the Sports tab to check out all of the amazing content we have available for you. Don't forget to tune in to 90.5 KCSU-FM Tuesdays through Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. for live sports content. Kanega, candidate for Larimer County Corner, is a proud supporter of the programming at KCSU. Tuesday, November 8th is Larimer County's general election and Matt Kanega is running for the open coroner seat in Larimer County and believes that the coroner data can be used to help save lives. He currently serves as the chief deputy coroner and is responsible for the day-to-day operations of the Larimer County's coroner's office. More information about Kanega and his campaign is available at kanegaforcoroner.com. In environmental news, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service said last September that they aimed to take the ivory bullet woodpecker off the endangered species list and put it on the extinction list. Despite their beliefs, researchers and others believe that there could still be a few of these birds left and are searching for their existence. Information comes from CNN. Another species at risk for extinction is the Antarctic emperor penguin. They are at risk of extinction due to climate change. 
These birds are now receiving new protections under the Endangered Species Act due to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, adding them to the impaired species as endangered or threatened regardless of their country's origin list. Information comes from CNN. In other environmental news, solar and wind energy saved Texans more than $7 billion in the first eight months of 2022. Per month, Texans have been saving about $925. In addition to these price cuts, this switch to more renewable energy is also beneficial to the environment as well. Information from this story comes from Now This Earth News. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates now on to national news. Stay tuned for Vibin' and Thrivin' with me, DJ Adair, next up on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. In national news, over the weekend in South Korea's capital, at least 120 people died and over 100 people were injured in a stampede. Over 100,000 people came to the district in Seoul for a Halloween celebration. The stampede took place as a result of too many people trying to fit into a small alleyway with popular bars. Videos have shown people being packed in so tightly that they didn't even seem to be able to move. Most of the deceased have been identified as of Sunday morning, but some survivors are still trying to get in touch with their family members as they have lost things such as their phones. The U.S. Embassy in Korea has confirmed that two Americans are among the deceased. President Joe Biden has said in response, quote, Jill and I are so devastated to learn that at least two Americans are among so many who lost their lives in Seoul. Our hearts go out to their loved ones in this time of grief, and we continue to pray for their recovery of all who were injured, end quote. Information from this story comes from NPR. Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, was attacked by an intruder at their home in San Francisco, California last week. The intruder struck the 82-year-old with a hammer. Pelosi's skull has been fractured and his right arm and a hand injured. 42-year-old David DePay is the suspect. He was found wrestling with Pelosi over the hammer in their home. Nancy Pelosi, who at the time was not home but across the country, was the one the intruder who was really there for. He was shouting, where's Nancy? Now Pelosi is home and she has said that her husband is still in the hospital, but his condition is improving. Information from this story comes from the BBC. In other national news, Elon Musk has officially taken over ownership of Twitter after their $44 billion deal. On Friday, after the deal officially closed, Musk tweeted, let the good times roll. In addition to this vocalization of change, top executives were fired, Twitter stopped trading stock, and various hate speeches have began to resurface. Other than his initial tweet, Musk hasn't said anything publicly or to the employees of Twitter. 
Information from this story comes from the Washington Post. Following controversy around the rapper Yee, previously known as Kanye West, he has lost a majority of his contracts and is now no longer a billionaire, according to CNN. Following this controversy, he has since apologized to the Jewish and the Black African American communities for his anti-Semitic and hateful statements. In other national news, if you have ever wanted to have matching shoes as your horse, that can now be a possibility. Adidas has now made a prototype for these new shoes for horses that are going for $1,200. Marcus Floyd, a Kentucky-based artist, has teamed up with Viztech. This team-up to make this shoe is supposed to, quote, bring awareness to the bluegrass state like Kentucky as a whole, end quote. Information from this story comes from CNN. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. Now stay tuned for Ewan Pert's Colorado State University Sports Updates. I'm Ewan Pert, and welcome to this week's RMR Sports Update. Up first, we have Volleyball, who is 17-6 and six on the season now. After a 2-0 week last week, the volleyball team will be heading to San Jose for a game early this week against the San Jose State Spartans before heading to Nevada later this week to play the Wolfpack, hoping for a season sweep against the conference foe. Up next is football, who is now 2-6 and six on the season. After a disappointing 49-10 loss to Boise over the weekend, coach Jay Norvell's team will be headed to San Jose to end their week in order to play the Spartans, a team the Rams have defeated in each of their last four meetings. Up next is men's golf. In the midst of a very successful season thus far, the Rams golf team will be headed to Pebble Beach to play in the St. Mary's Invitational throughout the beginning of the week. Up next is women's soccer, who is 4-7-8 and eight on the season. With a loss to end the season last week, the team season is sadly over. However, star players Liv Layton and Mia Massey earn spot on the All-Mountain West first team for their fantastic play this season. The team will also end up in the record books, recording the second most ties for a Division I women's soccer team in NCAA history. Up next is tennis. The women's tennis team will be traveling to Denver in order to play in the Colorado Cup later this week. After a disappointing show at the ITA regionals, the team is looking forward to put forward a better result at the end of the week. Up next is women's basketball. The women's basketball team will be having their first and only exhibition game of the season early this week, hosting Colorado Christian for some friendly competition to get their teams right before the season begins. Up next is women's swim and dive, who is now 3-0 on the season. Continuing their strong season with no losses this far in the season, the team is looking to keep going strong with a matchup against Wyoming here in Fort Collins later this week for their senior day. I'm Ewan Pert. This has been your sports update of the week. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Tuesday, November 1st. As we welcome a new fall month, today gave us cool and partly cloudy skies with a high of 69 degrees. Tonight, you can expect temps to drop to a high of 42. Wednesday, temps stay about the same with a high of 69 and partly cloudy skies. Thursday continues with partly cloudy skies and scattered thunderstorms with temperatures in the high 40s. As for the rest of this week's weather, you can turn into the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU Weather Report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damian Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. 
We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time. Thank you.